All right. I'm going to take you tonight in the 23rd chapter of Psalms. And for those out at Fairview, uh, about a year or so ago, I had the privilege of preaching out there and I, I went to this psalm. Hopefully we'll, we'll, uh, they'll learn new things tonight and hopefully I can be a blessing to you as well, okay? Would you pray with me? Father God, in the wonderful name of your son Jesus, we come. We love you. We love your word. Lord, we want to not only know it, we want to live it. We want the power of your spirit in our lives. Lord, we want to be filled with your spirit. We want to be directed by your spirit. And Father, as Pastor Malcolm says Sunday after Sunday, Lord, if we've uh, prepared it and you don't want us to say it, God, give us enough wisdom not to say it. And Father, if there's something that you want us to say that we need to say that maybe we didn't prepare, then help us to be sensitive to you as well. And Father, we'll give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, let's look at the 23rd Psalm. Now, I grew up in a pagan home. Moonshine was as common in my daddy's house as what Coca-Cola is in mine. Okay? Uh, Back before I was saved, I got saved at 17. Uh, I was what they would call a teenage alcoholic. They didn't uh, have that term back then. Uh, but uh, I, I can't tell you how much moonshine that I would steal out of dad's court jar and put a little water back in there. So, so if he looked at it, it looked about the same. But I'm going to tell you right now, when I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ, he changed me forever. Now, the 23rd Psalm, I memorized the 23rd Psalm when I was as lost as a golf ball in high weeds. I memorized the 23rd Psalm in school. We did that in school. And uh, and so uh, the 23rd Psalm has always been very, very special to me. But tonight uh, we're going to see the figurative language of the Psalm, okay? And I'm going to probably say some things you've never heard before, okay? Here's what I've always said to my people. Just because you've not been up under the house doesn't mean there's not something up under the house, okay? And just because you say you've not heard something doesn't mean it's not true, okay? We're all in the process of learning, I hope, right? But we're going to look at the language. Now, what I want you to picture in your mind before I begin tonight is that Psalm 23 is literally, in my opinion, the Lord laying out what Christianity really looks like. From the day that we're saved until the day that we go up into heaven and meet him face to face. And even beyond that, taking us to the millennial reign of reigning with him for a thousand years. And then taking us all the way in to the new heaven and the new earth. Okay, so are you ready? And so we're going to look at it together. Let's read the whole psalm. Then we'll come back and take it apart. The Lord is my shepherd. I would just circle that my there. It's always personal. Always personal. I wish we could get saved on a family plan. Don't you? I, I mean, I really, I, I really wish there was a family plan that everybody I love in my family, that I could make whatever decisions need to be made for them spiritually. But I can't. I can teach. I can lead. I can be an example But it's always personal. And David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Well, today I put this psalm in an outline form to help you. You've got the notes and this will help you out. Pastor Dustin, uh, he, uh, he did the heavy lifting on getting you an outline made on it. So I want you to see, number one, the beginning. Salvation. The Lord is my shepherd. As I said just a moment ago, it's personal. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Now remember, David is a nomad. Okay, Now, let me stop and give you a little bit of background here. I can tell you what I personally believe, and I can tell you what all kinds of scholars say about this. They try to put where David was in his life when he wrote the 23rd Psalm. And instead of telling you what all the scholars say, let me just tell you what an old country boy from Tennessee thinks, okay? I think David wrote the Psalms when he was a shepherd boy, tending the fields long before he ever became the king. That's what I believe, okay? Because everything in the Psalms is going to be from the mindset of a shepherd, okay? David took literally his life, the culture about him, and when he gives us these words, it's all in relationship of that of a shepherd. And David could do it. You know why? He was a shepherd. And shepherds were nomads. Nomads literally is a... A word for that day and time which meant they lived in tents and they moved around constantly. And the reason they moved around was because you would, uh, the, the sheep would eat the grass and once the grass would get low, they'd move to another area and move the tent and they were constantly moving. And by the way, if you guys go with pastor to Israel uh, this December, uh, they'll take you by and you'll see some tents of nomads and they literally are the same kind of tent that would have been in the day, times of David, okay? They're still there. They're still there, okay? Now, he writes this psalm from his culture, and he writes this psalm from his everyday living. And it's a complete analysis of how the great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, takes care of his people. You see, God deals with us like a shepherd deals with his sheep. The last account I had, I don't know too many sheep having nervous breakdowns. Do you? You know, uh, how many of us ever just take time and think back uh, a little bit when we were kids? You know, uh, I remember I, my mom let me quit taking a nap when I was five. I still remember it, five years of age. She said, okay, Doug, you're five now. You don't have to take a nap. And I thought, wah! And now I think, man, wouldn't you love to get to take a nap every day? Okay. And so, again, God, God is dealing with, uh, with, with uh, David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. We're his sheep. Now, that means he's responsible. 
He is responsible for us. Now, there's some things about understanding the shepherd's life. First of all, sheep aren't herded. You don't herd them. You herd cattle, okay? Now, I, any of you watch the, uh, the uh, uh, TV program that they, they film? A lot of it right here in Coleman area, these cowboys. Any of you watch some of that? I forget, what's the, do you remember the name of it? We've watched it a time or two. But they're, they're, they're taking care of cattle, okay? They're on their horses, you know, and they're running the cattle, and they're driving the cattle. And how many of you have seen the horse that can, you know, he works the cattle? You know what I'm talking about? They call them reining horses and, and working with cattle. Well, that's not how you deal with sheep. Sheep follow the voice of the shepherd. Now, I saw this in Romania, okay? We were in Romania, and we were in a. Uh, we got to one of the cities, and it was at the uh, market. Uh, you know, like uh, what do we have here? We, you know, market days. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, first Mondays or first Saturdays, and all that. It was a market day. There was sheep everywhere. Good night, sheep everywhere. Now, I'm a country boy, okay, and I know what you can step in when you've been around a bunch of sheep. You'll get that in a minute, all right. <laughs> I, I always love giving country illustrations to a bunch of city slickers. They don't have a clue what you're talking about. They don't have, they don't have a clue what you're talking about. We were, we were over in England, and we'd, we'd gone to the uh, changing of the guard at the palace. And uh, I was walking across. I, I was trying to get to one area. There was a little Chinese lady and I could I don't speak Chinese okay and she was saying something to me and something to me and I I can't tell you the words she used but one of those horses pulling some of that stuff I was about to step in it and she was trying to tell me okay now there was sheep everywhere everywhere and you know you think man what chaos I mean, what chaos, but when the shepherds, and you see those guys, man, they all look real dark complected. I think some of that's just the rust they hadn't washed off of themselves. Okay, they smell like sheep. But they begin to speak, and when they would speak, and they would begin to walk in different directions, all of a sudden, that chaos became order, and sheep started following the shepherds. You know, that's what our Lord Jesus said in John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and they do what? They follow me. If you're a child of God, you know what? You hear the voice of God. I'm telling you. Now, you know, every one of us, if we can sit down and have a good cup of coffee and just talk honestly, and I could ask you, how do you know when God's talking to you? Now, let's be honest. This, this right here is the word of God. God speaks through his word. Amen. But all of us, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, all of us have learned how to hear that still small voice. Haven't you learned how to hear it? And he said, my sheep hear my voice and they do what? They follow me. Now, let me tell you, the shepherd is responsible for the care of the sheep. Whether they're in the fold or not in the fold. Do you realize that? He's responsible whether they're in the fold or not in the fold. You say, what do you mean by that, Doug? Well, you remember over in, in the uh, parable of the lost sheep in Matthew 18? He said he'd leave the 90 and 9 and go what? 
Go after the one. Now let me explain something about the lost sheep. He'd go down and find the sheep. Now if he had one of them that kept wandering off quite a bit, do you know what they would do? He'd break the leg of the sheep. He'd break its leg. Once he broke its leg, he'd set it. Then he'd put it on his shoulders. And he'd carry that sheep until that leg mended. And then when that leg mended, that sheep, when they set him down to run again, he didn't get lost like he did before. Now, Pastor Malcolm dealt with this a few weeks ago when he talked about the chastening of the believer. Amen? Let me tell you something about Christianity. God does not spank the devil's kids. Do you hear me? Now, let's, let's say my, my kids and your kids are out here throwing rocks at cars. Okay? Now, which one do you think I'm going to spank? Now, I know you hear some tough guys, oh, just whip them all. Well, you whip them all today and we'll see you down in the jailhouse, Doc. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to punish mine. I'm going to discipline mine. I'm going to take care of mine. Amen. Let me tell you something about God. God takes care of his children. It's called the chastening of the believer. Now, hang on to what I'm about to tell you. Anybody that teaches eternal security, and I believe it from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. But anybody that teaches eternal security without teaching the chastening of the believer leaves people with the idea that just because you're saved, you can live like hell. Let me tell you something. If you're saved, God expects you to live right. And if you don't live right, he'll take you to the woodshed, drop your drawers and tear you up. And if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. You say, you shouldn't use a word like that in the pulpit. I just quoting the King James. That's what he says, Hebrews chapter 12. You know what that means? That means I can tell you that I've done this, 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 and this, and I've been here and here and here and here. But if I can do wrong without God correcting and chastening me, I am an illegitimate child. I've never been born again. Now, I have people tell me all the time, well, let me tell you how I know I'm saved. Let me tell you how I know I'm saved. There's a lot of ways I know I'm saved. But let me tell you one that I really, really, really know. And I think some of you identify with it. When I do wrong, God corrects me. I mean, I might say something I shouldn't have said. I'm not talking about using the Lord's name in vain. I'm just talking about being ugly. Say something I shouldn't have said and go get in the car. Man, I get in the car and crank up the car and the Lord just slaps me right upside the mouth. Say, get out of the car and go fix that. Look, can you believe you said something like that? Or maybe I've gotten down the road and he said, get on the phone, call, make it take, get this made right right now. Get it made right. Isn't that true? If you know Christ, he is your shepherd He is responsible for you in the foal and out of the foal. And if you're out of the foal, you're under the chastening hand of God and God's going to deal with it. Well, that's pretty good, isn't it? So let me tell you, I came from Church of God background. When I got saved, I mean, I was a heathen. I got saved. I wasn't I wasn't a Baptist, uh, Baptist born, Baptist bred. When I die, Baptist dead. I wasn't I wasn't that. 
Man, I was a nothing, okay? I was a pagan. When I got saved, my brother led me to Christ. Presbyterian elder led him to Christ. And we went to the Presbyterian church. And, and they didn't know what to do with us, the Presbyterian church, because we thought, well, we'd be telling everybody we got saved. And so uh, we'd heard about the Church of God. And the Church of God was, uh, you know, they're having uh, uh, great things happen. We got over there. You, you follow with me? And, and uh, so I was in the Church of God. And I believed that, that eternal security was a false doctrine. I believe, and I've said this in the pulpit many a time as a young Church of God preacher, that people that believed in eternal security were deceived of the devil and, and there's a doctrine right out of hell. And I believe that, but you don't want me to tell you something? You know how I saw eternal security in the Bible? I saw chastening. And I said, he chastens every son, S-O-N, whom he receiveth. Whoa, 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 whoa. When, when, when I was taught I could lose my salvation, they said I'm no longer a son. But he just said he chastens every son. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are, are you with me? Amen. I saw the chastening of the believer. And let me tell you right now, God is a good daddy. Amen. He's a good daddy. Now, I just want to go on record. My daddy's in heaven. Okay. Dad died of dementia. About one hour before he went to heaven, woke up and knew everybody in the room and started singing hymns and then went to see Jesus. Isn't that something? But now if my daddy would have known some of the stuff I did, I wouldn't be here preaching right now. I'd have been dead a long time ago. Are you, are you with me? And, and when he was living, I would say to people, if, if I want him to know what I'm telling you, I'll tell him. But I'm going to tell you something about my heavenly father. He knows everything about me and he knows everything about you amen so one of the great ways i know that i'm saved i'm a child of god and i'm going to heaven when i die because i can't get away with wrongdoing just can't do it can't do it amen and by the way let me let me just go on record with this (laughs) god doesn't need you to tell people that they're under the chastening hand of god they know it. Amen. Now you may need to tell them about the chastening of the Lord, but you don't, you don't have to tell me I'm under the chastening hand of God. I know if I'm under the chastening hand of God. Amen. And let's be real careful here. There's some bad things that happen to good people. Amen. You can be walking right in the very center of the will of God and some bad things can happen to you. And because bad things happen to you doesn't mean you're under the chastening hand of God. It may be something that God's allowing to happen for his honor and his glory. Are we all right? Well, I got to go on because I, I, I didn't mean, I, I meant to already be done with this sermon. And we haven't even gotten but one phrase in it, okay? So hang on, hang on. Here we go. We'll pick it up a little bit, okay? My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Now, in the parable of the lost sheep, he leaves 99 and goes after the one. Because the shepherd, he is our provider and he's our protector. John chapter 10, verse number 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I love what Hebrews 13, verse 20 says. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. And he is, isn't he? So it begins, number one. That the Lord is my shepherd. 
And, and, and guys, how, how does this thing begin? This thing of Christianity for me and for you, it begins at what? Salvation. You got to know Christ. Number two, the journey. He's not only our savior, but he's our sustainer. He takes care of us. Look, if you would, in the 23rd chapter, verse number one, the last part, I shall not want. And then he goes on to say in verse two, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. I shall not want. Now, remember, he's, he's dealing, uh, the, everything about this psalm is in the relationship of a shepherd and the sheep. As I said before, the sheep are not responsible. The shepherd is responsible. Amen? Amen. I mean, he's our sustainer. He's responsible for us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, and he says in verse 25 through 34, that you and I don't have to get all uh, out of socket and and all anxious over whether we've got the, the food that we need or the clothes on our backs. And then he goes on to say that, man, he takes care of the sparrow. He takes care of the lilies of the field. Isn't that right? You know what he said? I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. And then the, the verse that we quote a lot from that portion is Matthew six thirty three. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things. What? Taking care of us shall be added unto you. First Peter said it like this. First Peter 5, 7, casting all our cares upon him because he what? He's our shepherd. He cares for us. And he said, I, I, first of all, he, he says it in the last part, I shall not want. I, 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 don't have to, I, I don't have to worry about this stuff. He's taking care of it. And then he says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Now, what are the green pastures? Well, green pastures is simply God supplying our needs. You know, I look around this room tonight and you look up here tonight. I don't think any of us could, could uh, uh, fall into the category of starving to death. Do you? Huh? I, I mean, the truth is I could live for a long time off the fat of the land. How about you? I mean, does he not take good care of us? A few Sundays ago, Brother Jalen led us in that uh, we've got food on the table. He's, he, uh, hasn't he taken care of us? Every one of us. He's a great shepherd. And, he, and so David is saying, man, he's, he leads me in green pastures. And, and, and understand that he's not only saying that, that God takes care of what we need, but part of that green pasture is we have a place to rest. Guys, I, I don't know how you are, but the older I get, the more important rest is for me. And let me explain what I mean by that. I hurt in places I didn't even know I had in my body. The older you get, let me tell you right now, you don't get old and stay a sissy. If you're going to be a sissy, you're going you're gonna to leave early. I mean, getting old is getting old, right? I mean, do you not hurt some places? And you lay down, you know, a good night's sleep is more important now to me than it was when I was 21. And so he's not only going to take care of us, he says to us here, we can rest. There's a place of rest for us. And then still waters. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Do you realize sheep will not drink from running water? Do you know you can take sheep and put them in a creek? 
where the water's running and if there's has the current and the water running, that, that, that the sheep will stand there and absolutely die of thirst. They will not drink out of running water. It's only stilled water, puddled water, pond water, water that's not running. It's got to, it has to be still water. Did you see what David's saying? Man, God takes care of everything in my life. Every part of my life, God takes care of me. Do you realize that the hair of our head are numbered? Every time I take a shower, I realize God has to go ahead and get his pen out and start refiguring again. How about you? Huh? I mean, God takes care of us. The old hymn says he takes care of me through every day or all the way. God will take care of you. And that's what he's saying here. He said, let me, let me just tell you right now. God takes care of his sheep and God gives the best to his sheep. So again, here I am. I start with salvation, right? Right? Now let me tell you something. When I got saved, the only thing I was thinking about is getting out of hell. Come on. Wasn't it you? Man, I knew I was heading for hell and I didn't want to go there. And when I got saved, glory to God, I went home, went to sleep all night long, not worrying about dying and going to hell. But knowing when I went home, if I died, I'd wake up in heaven. Glory to God. But you know what I've learned? I've learned that God didn't just save me and keep me out of hell, but God's met every need of my life and will continue to meet the needs of my life. He is my sustainer. Then look at number three with me. There's service for the Lord. The service, spirit led, my service to the Lord. Look at verse number three. Look at what he says. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you realize that God saved us so that we could serve and serve him? He created us and and, and he's gifted us. Do you, do you realize the Bible talks about the gifts that he's given to the body of Christ? Every one of us in this room have special gifts. We really do. We, I, I don't care. You say, well, I don't have any gifts. <laughs> you, you may not think you do, but you really do. You really do. You see, here's what we tend to do in the church. If we're not singing or preaching or teaching, we don't think we have any gifts. But let me tell you right now. The singers, the preachers, and the teachers, if they didn't have everybody else in the church using their gifts, they wouldn't be singing, teaching, and preaching. Are you with me? God gives gifts to the body. And he, and, 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 and he gave that to us so that we could serve him. And, and, and you say, how do we serve him? Well, we serve him through the power of the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, be not drunk with wine wherein there is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, being filled with the Spirit, make sure you get this. The word there literally means in the Greek language to be filled and to be filled and to be filled and to be filled and to be filled. You know what? We leak. I'm going to tell you right now, I leak and you leak. Isn't that true? I, I mean, I may be spiritually, I have more knowledge today than I had back there years ago. But if I'm not careful, I've leaked out a lot of God's spirit controlling my life. 
And so every day, you know, one of the first things that we're taught in disciples, making disciples here at the church is to every day ask God to fill us afresh with the spirit of God. Fill me with your spirit. Control me with your spirit. You see, any service outside of the power of the Spirit of God in our life will not be service that will bring honor to the Lord. And so we're to be filled with the Spirit. And, and then the Scripture tells us too in 2 Corinthians four sixteen, the inward man is renewed day by day. Paul said it like this, the old man must die how often? Every day. Every day. You know, I wish we could get a break from that dude, don't you? The old man. How many of us know that old man? We we, we carry him around. Somebody ought to get rid of him. You know, we paid for him a long time ago. Somebody else take him off our hands. But we have to die on a daily basis. See, he keeps his sheep, though. This is what's beautiful. Not only does he sustain us, but he renews us every day. Every day. You know, the Bible says in the Old Testament that uh, we have new mercies every day, right? And we sing an old hymn that says, Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new what? Mercies I see. I don't know about you, but there's been a many a night I went to bed. And I said, Oh God, let, let morning come early because I need some new mercies in the morning. I need the new mercies. I need to be filled afresh and renewed day by day by day in my life. He chooses our paths. Now look what he goes on to say in verse number three. He says that he leadeth me in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. Now I better look at it now. I'm playing with you, okay? Look what he says. Paths of righteousness for whose name's sake? His. You see, the spirit-filled life is, Lord, I want what you want. (laughs) I probably ought to be careful the way I say stuff. So let me me sit and wait. I saw a church sign. The name of the church is Let's Make It Happen. Let's Make It Happen Church. I'm going to tell you, that would scare me. You see, what I've learned is simply this. The inward man is renewed day by day. And it's not me making it happen. It's him making it happen. Experiencing God, Blackaby says, we need to find out what God is doing and get in on it. Not not ask God to bless what we're doing, but find out what God is doing and get in on it. Now, guys, let me tell you, as a church, I hope you recognized what happened a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago in this church, we found out what God was doing and got in on it. Right over there, building churches, planting churches. Amen. Find out what God is doing and what? Get in on it. Get in on what he's doing. It's not let's make it happen, church. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, we can't make it happen. I'm going to tell you something. There's some days that I don't want to make anything happen. How about you? There's some days that I don't even like what's happening around me. I sure don't want to make anything else happen. So he chooses our paths. It's for his sake, okay? And it's always righteous choices. 
And it only can be done by the spirit-filled life of obedience. Listen to what the Bible said in Acts 5.22. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Ghost, whom God has given to those who obey Him. Now let's stop and talk about that verse for a moment. Let's doctrinally get correct. Are you ready? Here's doctrinally being correct. When I got saved, and when you got saved, the Spirit of the living God came to live in us. Amen? Amen. So that makes me spirit what? Filled. Now, let me tell you, I, I didn't get part of Him. I didn't get an arm and two legs, or two arms and one leg. I got all of Him. He came to live in me. See, the problem has never been with me not getting all of him. The problem has been him not getting all of me. So doctrinally, I have the Holy Spirit in me if I'm born again. The scripture says that that one of the witnesses that we're children of God is that we are filled with his spirit. But the spirit filled life. And what he's talking about here, them that obey him, he's talking about working and being used in the power of God's spirit. And that only comes from obedience. If we obey him, then he can use us and will use us. Psalms 37, 23 says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. The steps, he orders our steps. Let me give you number four now. The ending Death, And we go up to verse 4. And I'm going to show you a whole lot of stuff now that uh, deals with the language of the psalmist here, okay? Now, again, let me just go back to, He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Now, remember, sheep follow the shepherd, right? So if I'm following Him, what's He doing? He's leading me. And you know what? It's not that, boy, look at me and how good I am. No, I'm just following him. How many of you have ever been someplace and you didn't know your way around? And you're driving your car and the guy that knows his way around is driving his car. And he says, just what? Follow me. And the sucker goes through a a, a yellow light and leaves you at a red light. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And then you take off and you can't find him. You have no idea where he is and you have no idea where you are. Okay. See, again, it's not us. We're following him. It's the spirit filled life. Now, let me take us to verse four. The ending. The Christian life begins in salvation. Then he sustains us. He takes care of us. He leads us with his spirit. He fills us. He gives us his wisdom, his heart, his mind, his power. He gives us everything we need so that we can serve him and honor him and please him. And then look at verse number four. We're going to die. Amen. You're going to die. I'm going to die. And I I could get into a bunch of stuff there, but let me just stay with us so we're done. Okay. And then he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, now David here, now remember, he's, he's a shepherd. And he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Just make sure that we understand all of us are one day going to die. Amen? 
One day we're going to end our race. Paul tells us how he ended his race in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, uh, the time of my departure is at hand. And I'm ready, to, I'm ready to go. I'm ready. The time of my departure is at hand. And I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Isn't that true? He's finished. It's time. He's going to leave. He's going to be gone. And there's a time that I'm going to be gone and you're going to be gone. And the psalmist said, yea, though I walk. I walk through this valley. There's no exception. The only exception for us today would be the rapture. And if we don't go up in the rapture, then we're going to die. I'm going to die. We're going to, uh, we're going to learn that Hebrews 9, 27 is so true. It's appointed in demand once to die. And after that, the judgment, we're going to die. Now through the valley. Now David, as I said, David was a shepherd. And David knew that he had to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I, I want you to know, according to a lot of people, a lot smarter than me. That the valley of the shadow of death is still over there. That it was a literal valley in the Palestinian area where the shepherds would go through the valley. Now here's how it worked. And, and we know the same thing from whether we live here in Alabama or in the beautiful mountains of Tennessee. Certain times of the year, the grasses in the highland would be, be more prosperous to put the sheep on. And then other times the grass is in the lowland. But to get from the lowland to the highland and that one certain area there in the Palestinian area, they went through what was called the valley of the shadow of death. Now, the reason they called it the shadow of death was because of the high walls in the valley. And shepherds went through that valley two times a year. They went up one season and they came back down the second season. But because the walls were, were granite and because the walls were high, there was a shadow in that valley. And because sheep follow the shepherds, which means the shepherds are out front, many shepherds were killed. Many shepherds were wounded either by wild animals or by robbers that would be there. And so when a shepherd was going through that, that valley, I, I'm telling you, there was a lot of anxiety knowing they're going through that valley. But David said it like this. Look again what he said. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, when he said, I'm going to walk through it, David said, I, I'm not going to be hindered in the valley. I'm not going to be killed in the valley. I'm not going to cease to exist in the valley. I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. I'll fear no evil. For who? Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. David said, let me tell you, when I go through that valley, I'm not going through that valley because I'm something. I'm not going through that valley because I'm a better shepherd than anybody else. He said, I'm going to go through that valley and I'm not going to be afraid because God... Jehovah is my shepherd and he is going to be in front of me going through the valley. Now, guys, listen to me. Listen to me. The reason a child of God can die, the reason a child of God can wake up from dementia 
and know everybody in the room and sing hymns and then close his eyes and go out into heaven is because there's a shepherd that goes through the valley of the shadow of death with us. We don't go through it alone. We don't have to be afraid of it. I don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be afraid of death. Paul said it, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? I don't have to be afraid. You know why? Because when I come to the valley of the shadow of death, I am not going through it alone. He's my shepherd. Do you see how he's telling us? Let me tell you right now. When you start with me, he's telling us, I not only forgive you, I sustain you, I spirit fill you so I can use you. And by the way, the happiest people on the face of the earth are people that are used of God. Would you not agree with me on that? I'm telling you right now, how many of you can testify to this? Have you ever had a time in prayer? And it's like the wind blew, but it was not the wind, it was the spirit. And you were just 10 seconds in the presence of God. Just, just 10 seconds. Was that not absolutely the greatest experience of your life? I mean, I didn't say it lasted 10 hours. I didn't say 10 days. I'm, I'm just telling you, just, just, you're, you're driving down the road and you begin to talk to him. And all of a sudden you just feel him get in the car with you and hu- just, just hug you a little good and just say, man, let me tell you, I love you. I'm in charge. I'm in control. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Woo. Yeah. Have you ever noticed you can get one of those and it'll last for six months if that's, if that's how long it has to be? That's okay. Am I right or am I wrong? He said, let me tell you right now, I'm your sustainer. I care for you. I fill you with my spirit. I use you. And guys, let me tell you, every time we're used of God, we might witness to the little old girl at the, at the restaurant or we may, we, we, may, uh, we, we may sing a song or we may teach a class or we may, we may go park somebody's car for them. But we do something to help somebody and we're used of God. And that's the greatest feeling in the world. Amen? Amen. I mean, it's just good. Just good. And he said, I feel you and I use you. And then he said, when you die, you're going to go through the valley of the shadow of death. But you're not going to go through it alone. I'm going through it with you. But let me tell you something. If you're watching tonight or you're here in this room tonight, if you don't know Christ as Savior, you ought to be scared to death of dying. I mean, I've heard people that I, I, I mean, lost, this is lost as they can be. I'm not afraid to die. You know what I want to say to them? Stupid, stupid, stupid. I was afraid to die because I knew I would split hell wide open. Now, we had no Christianity in my house. My daddy's house, we, we, we had a Catholic Bible on the coffee table. It was the safe at the house. Everybody's birth certificate was in it and every important document because nobody could open it. You'll get that in a minute. But I believed, even though I didn't know anything about him, I believed there was a God, believed there was a Jesus, believed there's a heaven, and I knew there was a hell, and I knew I was going there, and I didn't want to go.
But my problem was I didn't know any other way. And I was scared to death I was going to die and go to hell. Scared absolutely to death. He said, let me tell you, when you come to death, you'll not go through it alone. I'll walk through that valley with you. I'll walk through that valley with you. And then let me give you number five and we're going home. The reward, heaven. We're finally home. Verse five and verse six, I believe, go hand in hand. I've read a lot in the commentaries and they'll say this and this, but let me just, I, I believe, I believe verse five and verse six, everything they have to say deals with what happens to us on the other end of the valley of the shadow of death. And the reason I believe that is I believe it's all been a progression when he laid out the psalm. Are you with me? So let's look at it together, okay? Let's look at what he puts for us there. We have our reward. He says, now we we look in verse number five, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Well, let's talk about the table. I believe the table is God's eternal provision. You know, we remember the old uh, hymn we used to sing years ago in church says, come and dine. The master calleth, come and dine. Let me tell you, I, I don't think that's just about what we're eating right now spiritually. I think he has some things prepared for us in the eternal that we can never even comprehend on this side. By the way, I, I believe one of the reasons God hadn't showed us all the things he has for us is because we'd lose all heart to want to live. I mean, Paul, you know, once Paul got to heaven and saw it and came back, you know what? He, he made statements like this. I'd rather go than to stay here, but I'll stay here to help you. But I'd rather be up there. Paul made statements like absent from the body, but be present with the Lord. If we really knew what all was there, that table is God's provision in the presence of mine enemies. You say, who do you believe the enemy is? I I think the enemy that he's talking about there is death. And let me explain it to you by reading you the scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Is death. I'm telling you, God's got a feast for us. Uh, Guys, let me tell you, if he's prepared a mansion, can you imagine what kind of supper he's prepared for us? I mean, if he's, if he's gone to all that trouble, can you imagine what kind, of, uh, uh, what kind of goodies they've got for us to eat and to enjoy? And I think that last enemy is death. And then he said, anointest my head with oil. Do you realize when you re- look at the anointing of oil through the scriptures that it was always for assignments? David said, David said it like this in Psalm 92.10, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. But you remember when the great prophet anointed David to be king? And then David said, I got fresh oil again. The assignments that God has for us. You say, well, Brother Doug, when we die and we're a Christian, we go to heaven. What assignment do we have? Well, you've not been listening to Pastor Malcolm very good if, you've not, if you don't realize. Guys, one of these days we're going to come back. And we're going to rule and reign with him on this earth for a thousand years. Amen. And we're going to be in glorified bodies and we're going to be ruling. I'm going to be a banker. I want to watch people sweat trying to get a loan. I've been sitting on the other side of that table so long. I want to be on the other side. And do you know after that millennial reign, do you you realize that 
that, that when it, we get the final judgment of everything and then there's going to be a, a new heaven and a new earth. Are you listening to me? Well, well where, where are we going to be? You say, brother, where are we going to be? Well, we're going to, we're going to be in that new heaven and that new earth in glorified bodies. Now, I'd really like to tell you what I believe, but I better not. But I can tell you whatever it is, I'm, it, it's going to be better than anything I've ever thought about. And we're going to be with him forever. And in that new heaven and that new earth, listen to me now, in that new heaven and that new earth, there'll never be any more sin. Do, do you guys realize what makes earth important? Is that God has quarantined sin right down here. It all took place up in heaven when it started, right? But he's quarantined it right here on earth. And he's dealt with it right here on earth. And let me tell you, when he burns this thing over... And we get a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to go right back out into eternity just like it was before. But there'll be no more Satan, no more sin, and no more failure to God. And you and I will be in glorified bodies. We're going to be something, aren't we? Look up at somebody and say, I'm going to be something. I'm going to be something. That's what the anointing's for. Now let me give you the last and I'm done. And he says, and I'm going to read it all together with you. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Well, let me tell you what David knew. And you need to know and we'll be done tonight. David was a nomad. Remember, he moved in tents, right? Well, a tent would have canvas and a lot of it would be not canvas like we'd have today, but a lot of old hides. But the door and the windows of those tents were always animal skins. Not like our wooden door that we have today. It'd be an animal skin and they'd pull the animal skin down back and it would open it and they'd pull it the other way and they'd close it. And then in the culture of David time, people didn't uh, go to the door and knock on the door. And we'd open the door. They'd open the door and say, hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. And that, that, that's not what happened at all. In his culture, a person would come to the entrance of the tent. And they would make some kind of a noise or something to make sure that whoever was in that tent knew that they were there. And if the tent door was open, the skin was pulled back, they would know they're there or they would pull it back. But they would make their presence known. And then the person inside the tent would go over and there would be an animal skin full of goat's milk. Always, always fresh goat's milk. And no, no, remember now, they're not, they're not speaking. The guy out in the front at the door is not saying, hey, how you doing? And hey, I'm okay. No, there's not a word spoken. When the guy inside realizes the guy's at the door, he goes over and he takes the goat milk. And he takes the goat's milk and he takes a cup and he hands it to the guy that's at the door. Remember, not a word is spoken. And he begins to pour goat's milk into the cup. Now, if he pours just a little bit in the cup, he was saying to the guy, I'm glad you came. But I wasn't expecting you. But we'll 
have a little bit of time together and you'll have to go and I'll have to get on with my business. If he poured that cup, that goat's milk into that cup, and he filled it all the way to the top, he was saying to the guy, or I say the guy, it could have been a gal, but he was saying to the person at the entrance of the door, I'm glad you're here. I will stop everything I'm doing. You will have my undivided attention for the day. We will enjoy this day together. But at the end of this day, you will go on and I'll do my, my thing. But if he took the goat's milk and he began to pour into the cup, and when he poured into the cup, he, when it got full, he just kept pouring. And all of a sudden, that milk would begin to run off of that hand and down that arm and off of that elbow. And that cup is running over. He was saying to that person, I've been expecting you. You're home. Your home is my home. You're here. And you can stay forever and ever with me. Everything I have is yours. Your home. Now read it again, understanding the language of the time. Look at what he says. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm home. Now let me, let me tell you how it is and we're done. For the child of God. We started with salvation. Amen? We started with salvation. He knew all about us, but we sure didn't know much about him. But thank God we know what it is to be forgiven. Amen? And then we started learning more about him because he became our sustainer. We followed his voice. He's our shepherd. We followed him. And, and he took us to the green pastures and to the still waters. He filled us with his spirit and restored us. And and he's used us because he's led us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, no big deal. He's with us. There's nothing in that old dark valley going to mess with us. Not because we're good. Not because there's anything special about us but because he's our shepherd. And when he goes through, there's nothing left to harm us. And we get on the other side. We get on the other side. And he stands there and hands us a cup. And he starts pouring. He didn't pour just a little bit in there and say, Doug, I'm sure glad you're here, but I, I wasn't expecting you, dude. Hey, hey, just hang out for a little while, but then get on about your business. I got a lot to do. He didn't even just pour that cup all the way full 
and say, Doug, I'm glad you're here. I'll spend the day with you. No, when I get there, he's going to hand me the cup. And he's going to take that cup and he's going to pour it. And when it gets my hand full, it's going to start running off of my hand, running down my elbow. And he's saying to me, Doug, I've been expecting you. You're home, Doug. I've prepared a table for you and the presence of the old enemy. And he can't mess with you. And you're home, Doug. And you'll dwell with me forever and ever. You've got a new anointing, Doug, because you're going to rule and reign with me for a thousand years. And then, Doug, when we go out to the new heaven and the new earth, I've got an assignment for you that if I told you right now, you couldn't handle it. But I want you to know, when you started with me as shepherd, and I became your shepherd at salvation, you had no idea all that I had in store for you. And now that I poured the cup and it's dripping off your fingers, and you're home, you still don't know what all I've got in store for you. But I promise you, it's good.